know, we try to keep our resources to our local guys. And a lot of those guys are small enough. They don't have an office or a warehouse. And so we become their office and warehouse space. Yep. So hence we get a lot of traffic, you know, over our counter. Um, and a good, strong counter business is very difficult for a competitor to beat. Um, in my opinion, if you have a very strong counter and people want to come and they need to come to, you know, they don't have warehouse space of their own. Yeah. The more you can do for them inside your office, the better off you're going to be and, you know, keeping that competition at bay. Welcome to the Get Wired Podcast, presented by CED Vero Beach. Join us as we make new connections, share our outlooks on business as well as life, and provide a new look at the wholesale electrical supply industry from the inside out. This is the Get Wired Podcast. Here's your host, Mike Burkhart. All right, guys, we've got another special episode of the Get Wired Podcast with Mr. Dan Byers out of CES Santa Barbara. If you haven't checked out the previous episodes with him, they're episodes 43 and 41. And in this, in today's episode, we're going to talk about uh, building a strong counter business, building a strong culture of, of identity at your counter, and then also some interesting ways to market it that uh, I've never thought of and certainly never you know, had an opportunity to dig this deep on some of the aspects of it. So welcome to the program, Dan. Let's jump right in. So digital signage, you want to get into it? Uh, yeah. So before we jump into digital signage and how all that works in, at your PC and how you set it up from, from the, from the get go, um, I think it'd be helpful to kind of like along the same lines, if like you wouldn't be able to have the opportunity to have digital signage unless you had a really strong counter business. Correct. Um, so without getting into like specifics of all that in terms of dollars and, and things like that, if you could just talk briefly about, you know, how was the counter when you first got there? I guess you've been there a long time, so it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how have you seen it develop? Um, you know, you know what? What is? What are some attributes of a strong counter that you've seen that really separate it and make something like a desirable place to go to? For us, I think our, our counter one is you know obviously having a knowledgeable staff that people you know when they come to the counter they're they're knowing that they're going to you know get what they need quickly. That also is very helpful. So most of my new employees I put through, I don't put them through Epic, but I put them through Edge, which is the little brother to Epic. Okay. So if, you know, if I do my timing right with a new employee, they'll do one or two modules in the Edge program, and then they'll spend some time with an individual at the Profit Center for about half their day, about the first two months. And then the other half of their day, they're stocking or receiving or learning the processes in the warehouse. Wow. So after about eight weeks, I have a really good understanding of that person, their knowledge, um, and, you know, are they going to be a good warehouse person? Um, then they're starting to maybe get ready to start to work with a customer, um, shadowing another guy, counter person. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, hopefully, we can get them on the counter in about four months. Um, we're hoping that somebody coming into our organization is ready to start waiting on the counter. Um, cause it is, there's a lot to know and you know, there's, it gets pretty busy and pretty hectic. So we want to make sure those people are prepared for that. Um, so, um, sounds like you have a much more regimented and, and disciplined training versus we need somebody, we're getting overrun at the counter, hire somebody and just kind of throw them up there. I mean, you must see that all the time. I know I've seen, I've done it myself. Oh, I've done that myself many times. Uh, <laughs> I always hate myself for doing it. Right. Um, so I, I, you know, it's like right now, even though we're fully staffed, I'm still interviewing for people. Wow. Because uh, you just never know when an employee may leave or may need to leave or um, just you need to get rid of an employee that's not working out. Sure. So, um, you know, kind of not opposite to what CD's philosophy is, but I always tend to be a little heavy on my staff. Mm-hmm. That way, if something does arise then I'm not hurting and my customers don't lose, you know, that serviceability that they want. Right. So, um, you know, it's just, just the way I've, I've learned to operate over the last 14 years as a manager and 32 years of being in the business is, you know, I hate, I hate having only three life jackets and four people on board. <laughs> it's like everybody gets a life jacket. Yeah. And that's, that's why we built out the extra counter, uh, you know, desk at, at last Friday, because it was a slow day. We need something to do to keep everyone busy, but also like, we've been constantly looking for a way to do this. And we finally just said, we're just going to do it the easiest, cheapest way we can do it. Cause we just needed to have it done. And it turned out to be pretty solid so far. I've gotten a lot of good comments on it, yeah. um, but it's important to have the, the capacity in, or that coverage. You know, we talk about that a lot. I'm always looking at the week ahead when I do my Monday minutes and it's like, 
okay, where are our weak spots going to be this week at, in terms of coverage at the counter? Because like you, most of our business, thankfully, you know, knock on wood, uh, walks right through the door, picks up the phone and calls, and then they walk right through the door. Um, right. Which is a really great place to be in as a profit center. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it, for our business, that's kind of where we've redirected it over the last 20 years is that we, you know, there are a few larger contractors in Santa Barbara that we deal with, but for the most part, we don't go after the large contract business. Yeah. Um, you know, they, these guys coming up from LA or down from San Francisco or out from Bakersfield, um, you know, we just don't go after that business that when it's in town. Um, we, you know, we try to keep our resources to our local guys. And a lot of those guys are small enough. They don't have an office or a warehouse. And so we become their office and warehouse space. Yep. So hence we get a lot of traffic, you know, over our counter. Um, and a good, strong counter business is very difficult for a competitor to beat. Um, in my opinion, if you have a very strong counter and people want to come and they need to come to, you know, they don't have warehouse space of their own. Yeah. The more you can do for them inside your office, the better off you're going to be in, you know, keeping that competition at bay. Yeah. It's definitely one of those things that you can't just uh, decide to have one tomorrow and then and, and have a busy counter. You know, it takes a lot of time and effort. And uh, how much do you think the market and the customer base plays into that versus, like, is it one of those, if you build it, they will come, or is it like it only works in certain markets with certain customer bases? I think I think it can work just about anywhere, but I think that, that definitely the more provincial markets, smaller markets, yeah, uh, like not an L.A. market or an Atlanta market, um, tend to play better for the over-the-counter business. Um, and also, again, the size of the contractor. Um, larger contractors tend not to want to have their guys going in to get material. They want it delivered to them. Right. Um, or they, you know, they want to ship, ship direct. So the, the guys don't, for them, don't make money if they're not in the field. So you end up dealing with a centralized purchasing person or, you know, a buying person inside that agency. That's basically, you're doing a lot of deliveries at that point or mm-hmm. shipping a lot of stuff direct. Um, and again, that's a still a good business model. And you can obviously make money doing that. Um, but it just, those guys don't tend to come into the office other than for maybe a counter day where you're having a barbecue and they get free food. And so, do, do you see that it's like a residential or commercial? Like, does that matter at all? Or you have commercial customers and residential? We have both. You have both. Light commercial. We have definitely have light commercial and lots of residential, high-end residential. Yeah. I think the big, again, the bigger commercial jobs, unless it's an a, a, you know, account we're already dealing with on a regular basis, we just won't chase after it. Um, we, just, we just know that that's not our bailiwick. Um, we're just going to have to sell everything on price and that's not how I like to go to business. Right. So, um, and then it's for a one-time customer in our, you know, in our backyard who may not want to use this again in the future. Um, and it's amazing. I will, when we look at a job, we'll ask the credit department, you know, do you have any background on these guys coming in from out of town? What do you see? And invariably they're very slow pay. Hmm. Um, or we've had troubles with them in the past. So it's like, yeah, I don't need to chase that job. Um, at all. Yeah. And they're going to so, take business potentially from one of your good customers at the same time. Correct. Yeah. You know, yeah, we, you know, the jobs will bid the jobs and our co- local contractors won't get it. Um, then it be, just becomes a fight with the, you know, the manufacturers rep who want us to write the job because then it's in their territory right. and they make more commission. And just, for me, it's like, well, it's just not a customer I want to do business with, you know? So, and we're lucky to be in that position where we're busy enough. We have enough margin you know, we're able to service the customers we have to where we don't have to chase every job that comes into our town. Well, and you also, you know, it is a big part of your business, a big part of my business, but we both, I imagine, have a really strong delivery business as well to kind of back that up. So if the customers need something delivered or it's obviously too big or cumbersome to bring in through the counter or or whatever. Um, So how, how is that important? And is it the same customers that are using both? Um, yeah, we have customers that use both very, you know, every single day, sometimes yeah. three times a day, depending on how their job is going. Um, you know, Santa Barbara is a really unique area. We have a lot of small areas of, you know, Santa Barbara, like Montecito and the Riviera, where a lot of large trucks can't get into that. Hmm. So we'll actually do a lot of offloading here of switchboards to take up on our smaller stake bed, um, just because, of, you know, a freight truck can't get into the road. There's just no, no access. Right. So even though it's a direct shipment or, you know, the, the, the contractor wants it direct, there's just no way for the vehicles to get up there. So that gives us a big, huge advantage over our competition also because our competition has no way to do that for the customer. Right. So we, we see, you know, we get the little added incentive from the customer to give us that business knowing that we're going to have it land here. We're going to 
package it up, throw it on our steak, but then deliver it to them when they actually need it or when there's actually somebody there to offload it. Yeah, you I heard know? that's been successful in uh, big markets or, or downtown situations. Like when uh, my trainee was telling me about after he went to Chicago, he said that's one of their big value adds is they, you know, it, it, it might be a direct, but they're going to bring it in and, you know, make it more appropriate for the downtown area and put it in a vehicle that can handle going downtown. Right. Even have it like come off the truck in a certain way so that it's like ready for the job, you know, like just a little more. Takes time, takes effort, takes manpower, but a little more TLC and, and uh, you know, hands-on approach to making yeah. sure it goes smoothly for the customer. And I think a lot of a lot of our customer base in general are looking for that. Yeah, uh, they may not know they're looking for it until they actually experience it. But once they experience, they go, "Wait a minute, this is kind of nice. This yeah. is how I want all my deliveries to go, or how I think you know this is worth the extra few margin points to you know for this business." So, yeah, I think it's important. And as far as location goes, do you think that uh, you're in a location that enables you to have such a strong counter business, or is that not as big of a factor? People kind of come to you, or uh, we're actually in a very prime location, and since you know being here since '57, sure. not moving lends itself to people knowing where we are. Um, but if you were to pull up a map of where we're at, we're basically pretty much right at the south end of Santa Barbara, right by. I mean, literally, I can see the beach from my office. Wow! But the Freeway entry and exiting of our building is maybe 50, 60 yards. Oh, wow. So really right off the freeway with easy on, easy off, um, and right in the heart of things. So, you know, downtown Santa Barbara, Montecito, Summerlin, Carpinteria, Goleta, all within 30 minutes or less of our building. Um, so that's that's nice. The, the problem I have is I don't have a big enough parking lot. Yeah. So um, that, that I run into problems where I literally, or there are days where, you know, people will actually call me. And say, hey, Dan, you know, I'm going to have to come back in 45 minutes to an hour uh, because your parking lot's full and I can't get in. Wow. <laughs> or, or, you know, they just get frustrated and then they'll say, you know, never mind. I'll just, you know, go find it somewhere else. Wow. Which is a, a problem. So huh. we don't, you know, so we're working on that. And part of that is like the things we've talked about in the past, the customer portal, the avocado text ordering system. Yep. You know, we're trying to get our guys really trained to call it in first, get it to us, let it have us ready for you so they can get in and out of here. Hell, you know, if it's small enough, you won't even have to get out of your truck. Just pull up, tell us we're here, we'll run it out to your truck for you. Yeah. You know, whatever I can do to make it easier for them is, is really what I try to do. Yeah, we've joked that we should get some roller skates and be like Sonic. You know, you pull up and we come and just bring it right to your window and bring you a yeah. drink while we're at it too. Why not, you know? Exactly. Um, so if you're if you were a trainee coming out of the program, so you've been in a location for your first year or so, like and you're trying to cultivate this, maybe you have some counter business, maybe you don't. What are some things that you would do like in, in the first couple months to try to build that counter base? I would, you know, the first thing that I've noticed with some of the better counters that I've seen is, is lack, you know, less clutter. You don't need to put every single display that every single manufacturer wants to have in, in the, in the lobby, you know, out there. Yeah. Uh, I would also, you know, any, anything that's got high margin value should be in your lobby. The impulse buy stuff, the bubble gum, as they say, yeah. in our bubble gum and candy bar should be, in your lobby, not boxes of, you know, 4S, you know, deep boxes out there um, because those don't have that much margin. Um, so that that's high traffic area, high visual area. Mm -hmm. And that's where you want your customers to impulsively buy whatever they need. Um, so you, you can make more margin on your over the counter sale. Less clutter, more margin. I like it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so, you know, having the, you know, ideal or 3M or whatever, you know, person you support, especially, you know, wire nuts and tape, is having that out there. And we learned that very quickly that, you know, by keeping it out there, people would go, oh, yeah, and I also need, you know, I need some phasing tape. And we go, oh, great, it's right out there next to, you know, the tools. Because we put it strategically knowing that most every electrician is going to want it, they're going to go reach for it, and they're going to see something else that they possibly may want or may think they may need. Hmm. So, um, I like that. there's some good margin in tape and wire nuts and those things because they're low value, low dollar enough to where most contractors aren't going to question the price. Obviously you can't charge, you know, $10 for a roll of tape, right? Uh, <laughs> but you can get a couple extra points and then also draw his eye to something else in the lobby. Hmm. So makes sense. Yeah. And, and so in terms of vendors, um, we can dig into this a little bit more when you, we start talking about the actual like uh, digital marketing that you do at your counter. Uh, but do you believe in going deeper or wider with vendors? Like, do you believe in having, especially at the counter, like having just a couple vendors that you're really kind of deep and, and have a, a wide breadth with or, or kind of 
going a little, little more wide with a lot of different vendors trying to see what hits like how do you how do you do well that? we have one area of our counter that we rotate quite frequently okay whether it's new product we brought in or whether it's a new manufacturer we're testing uh, but we definitely you know support our major like four or five vendors in our lobby um, whether it's a tool line whether it's a phasing tape and wire nut line you know um, you know I can name you know we, we support Klein deeply on our counter um, we support you know ideal and 3m deeply on our counter um, and Dottie's another one we support deeply on our counter so mm-hmm. all those guys have great marketing tools they've got great displays um, you know banners head headers which were really nice um, we've tried to make sure that everything that we do is on our own platform first. So we do all of our own backing and stuff like that. I don't like to have a mishmash of a bunch of different, you know, displays out there. Well, this one's got a slat wall. That one's got a hanging type. And this guy does this type. Right. Like we, we take the product and we put it on our slat walls. We'll do the banners and stuff. But we try to keep it as clean as possible. And it makes it easier for the contractor and for us, frankly. So I like it. And then how do you get the people to actually come into the store? Like <laughs> we, we open the doors. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, you know, there's a couple different ways that we've done it in the past is, is, is to make sure we're getting good customers coming through the doors. One, obviously you want to make sure that they understand that you're open. Um, so we made the mistake. I made the, I made the mistake. I should say about seven, eight years ago was that we were getting a lot of evening sun or afternoon sun coming through our two front doors. So I basically, you know, everybody goes, oh, we got to cut down the glare. We got to cut down the glare. So I had a guy come out and tint the windows. Mm. And it literally looked like we were closed. <laughs> and I would, I mean, 3 o'clock in the afternoon on Thursday, I'd have people pull up to the parking lot and look at our doors because they were so black because we cut out the glare. And they're like, oh, they're not open, you know, and drive off. I'm like, well, there's still 20 other cars in the parking lot over here. Yeah. So, so we, after about six months, we basically stripped that off and went with a much lighter tint. Um, and then basically put, actually put up some signs that actually say we're open. <laughs> yeah, that's smart. We had, we had, a an employee no longer works for us, but somehow, I don't know. I don't know how we did it or if we did it maliciously or not, but he changed the five on our door, like open till five to four. Because I guess we were at one point we were leaving at four cause it was just dead or something like that. And so, right. he, so he took it upon himself to change it. And then I didn't notice for a while, but people would show, would pull up to the parking lot and then look at the door and then drive off. And I'm like, there's six cars here. There's no way that they're seeing this four thing and then driving off at 4.15. Right. When there's all these other, there's a contractor vehicle, there's six other vehicles like right here. Yeah. And we'd be running out like, oh no, we're still open, you know? like, And then so we had to get new signage for the doors, but it's important. Yeah. Let people know that you're open, you know, advertise your hours, put it on Google, make sure it's accurate on Google. Um, That's a big one, the whole Google thing. Um, yeah. It's, oh. it's people, it's amazing. If you start doing your analytics, you'll see how many people actually use Google to call your office or yeah. find your location. Um, and if that's, you're right, if that's not accurate, then they're going to go, Oh, well, they're not open right now or whatever it may be. So yeah, we do a pretty good job of making sure our Google information is accurate um, to the point that almost weekly I'm in there making sure that something hasn't changed yeah. inadvertently. <laughs> well, do you have the, uh, I'm sure you've seen that you can, you can send text messages now right on Google instead of having yeah. to call the store. Does that go right to your avocado? That one right now goes right to avocado when people yeah. do that. If they do that, I don't know if anybody's done that. According to my analytics, I haven't seen anybody do that. Somebody did uh, it to me. It's mostly calling and actually finding finding our location, which goes back into you know why how customers are finding us and you know um, it's like our customer, our number one customer, um, really is cash sales. Yeah. So our COD account is our number one customer that walks through the door every single day. Wow. And those guys are the ones that are gay. Are they open? And, you know, they may only come to us once every six months. Um, but when they do, you know, we want to make sure we take care of them because there's enough of them that it's a repeat business that it really, really helps us. So you mean like not a customer that's on COD or whatever, but you mean actual like random cash customers, right? Just like random business yeah. owners, homeowners. Yeah. yeah. Cash customers. Yep. Yeah. The so. people that walk in, they kind of get this look in their eyes. Like, where the hell am I? You yeah. know, and like, what is this world? Yeah. Um, and then I will say, you know, I hate to, I, it, it comes, it comes with good points and bad points. Yeah. Um, you know, within CED, that's a whole, I think that's with any distributor right now, I think that's a big problem is, you know, the credit card fees. Oh yeah. Mine uh, and I won't go into too many particulars about it, but um, my credit card fees in 2018 exceeded my rent. So 
uh, you know, so it becomes a problem. <laughs> I never looked at it that way, but I, I bet you I'm pretty close, if not, yeah. if not right yeah. there. In fact, I know I am in, in June because we just, it just came out. Yeah, that's crazy. So that's a lot. That's a lot to think about when you're, you know, it's great. It's instant money for the most part. You know, hopefully you got the margins to cover that extra fee. Um, but you know, it all goes back to you know making sure that customer has a great, great experience when they come through the door. Um, so an uncluttered lobby is key. I think, you know, for a lot of people, they know where to go when they walk in, um, believe it or not, a lot, you know, you walk into a lot of our distributors, um, whether it's a CD or not, and that customer, unless they've been there 14 times, really doesn't know where to go. Yeah. They just kind of walk around. They're kind of looking at other people. Where's everybody else going? Where do I go to get help? <laughs> um, so we, we try to make sure our receptionist is front and center. So if there's, you know, somebody kind of walking in a little glazed over, you know, she's the first one to say, hey, how can we help you? You know, oh, you're looking for a pickup? Well, that, that you know, the pickup counter's right there. Somebody, let me call somebody for the counter for you or whatever it is. Hmm. So we make sure we try to engage the customer, especially one that looks like they're, they're having trouble knowing why they're there within the first 30 seconds. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's kind of important. Almost like I, if I, I could afford it, I'd probably have a Walmart greeter just greeting everybody as they came through the door and thanking everybody as they left. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... Uh... It is kind of intimidating if you've never been to a supply house before because, you know, you probably got recommended to go there by your electrician or, or whomever. Um, but, you know, I didn't even know this industry existed before CD recruited me. And uh, so I imagine going someplace else or when I go to like an automotive place, it, it's kind of intimidating because if you go during the day, you're surrounded by professionals. And so yeah. you don't, nobody wants to be that. That guy doesn't know what the hell they're doing. But right. so you walk in and, and your place, I imagine your counter is huge. You have you know, X number of employees working there and stuff. Um, it would be very intimidating to walk in there and not, not know exactly what's going on or where to go. Right. Ours is a little more straightforward. Uh, I don't know if you saw the picture, but you, you basically walk yeah. in the counters right there. It's, 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 but you still see people get this look of like, I've never been in a store like this before. <laughs> you know, right. um, I like it when experienced electricians that we just don't know yet come in and they kind of look around there because it's a different look. It's more of like a, you know, what is this utopia I've stumbled across? You know, there's ice cream and there's there's drinks and food if they're right. coming on on Friday. And it's like this fun vibe atmosphere. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at your picture, and this is amazing. So I'm kind of looking at the picture of your counter, and I could probably try to take one and send you one of ours. But your counter is probably about the same size as ours overall. Really? We don't have a huge, I mean, our building's only 10,000 square feet, and 2,700 square feet of that is, is office space. Yeah. We don't have a large counter space. So, again, you know, I, I see how clean yours looks. At least it's open when you walk in. It's yeah. pretty inviting. So um, I definitely like the flooring option you went with. Thank you. I picked that. <laughs> it makes it, you know, it just makes it a little nicer. But, um, yeah, so that's the other problem we have is that we don't have a huge counter space. So we have to make sure people get in and out quickly and don't feel like they're getting, you know, sitting on top of each other trying to get something done. So less displays for us keeps that customer happy um, and, you know, make sure that what's out there is what they need. Yeah, you can see we just added that that last computer there on the left side of that um, just on Friday. Yeah. But uh, we're going to get it painted and make it look more professional. We just had to get something up and running while we had the, the day off basically on Friday. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that uh, we initially talked about uh, getting on the podcast that would be pretty beneficial for everybody is try, trying to find a way to get vendors more involved using, um, you know, co-op money or doing some sort of promotional thing at the counter using digital How'd you put it? Digital marketing or digital displays or digital, digital marketing, digital signage, digital signage. That's uh, what it was. Okay. Or basically just TVs in general. <laughs> well, so most people have a TV of some sort of their counter, but it's, it's probably on Fox or CNN or ESPN or something like that. It's, it's designed to like, you know, fill the time when you're pulling an order, which should be minimal anyways, or hopefully they call the head. Um, right. But a lot of places are taking this approach of like, Hey, this is free viewing time that a customer sitting there there's a captive audience they're not doing anything uh let's put something on the tv that's useful uh so right. so what have you found that's been helpful and how did you start the whole program well yeah i mean this goes back quite a bit but um we actually started the same way as everybody else um we had a you know tv of some sort in the lobby um and i think this goes back to the days before there was actually plasma um <laughs> And it tended just, you know, this is before I was even the manager of the office, but it tended to play sports or news. Yeah. Um, and then basically, probably about 13, 14 years ago, right when I took over, I eliminated that. We went with something a little bit nicer, but it still 
you know, technology wise, the only thing we could really do is, you know, play whatever was on the cable feed. So after about, I don't know, 10 years ago, started doing, um, I wanted to do more marketing and, you know, to our customers, why were they, they were there. Mm-hmm. Um, we do a lot of, what we call counter mornings. So a counter morning for us is a vendor comes in at seven. They bring a, a couple items they really want to show and market to our, our customers and to our staff. And they're there from about seven to 10. And they see basically with our account of traffic, a good portion of our customers. Um, and we use this, the digital signage now to really support what they're doing by playing a lot of their product, whether it's a video, whether it's you know content that we create and put up there while they're there and leading up to their day. So um, like if you were to go to our website right now, you would see a banner on our customer portal promoting a, a counter morning we're having this Wednesday. Okay. Uh, with that right now on my digital displays, I have two in my lobby. They're playing content throughout the day that revolve around that specific manufacturer. Hmm. And not all day, but it's, you know, at certain points during the day, my customers are going to see, you know, product from this manufacturer and they're going to see, um, you know, that we're having a counter morning this, this Wednesday um, coming up. Uh, um, and then I'll actually use Avocado tomorrow you know, the texting system to text all my customers that I have on file, say, Hey, don't forget about our counter warning. Um, and then everybody go, of course, is talk, talking it up. So with all, all those in play, the digital signage really gives me an opportunity to be a silent salesperson to that customer when they're sitting there, either waiting for the material or as they're checking out, um, it gives us another opportunity to engage with that customer, um, very simply, very quickly, very effectively, and just reinforce why they're coming to us. I think it's awesome. Um, you know, you mentioned news and sports, and, and I did the same thing because that's what we see other places. And that's exactly, even today, I saw like employees walking by and they would glance up at the TV and then stop what they were doing and just stare at it because it was some news art, no, some news thing. And who knows? There's always something crazy going on in the world, 7.5 billion people or whatever it is today. There's going right. to be something crazy going on, and someone's got a camera there filming it. Um, and I think in this particular instance, it was somebody filming a fire on an airplane that started with another camera phone or another cell phone. So they're using their cell wow. phone to film another cell phone on fire on the airplane. And it was an old video. They were referencing it for something else. But it was like, okay, that's going to catch your eye. It's going to stop the customer from placing his order and losing his train of thought. It obviously stopped this employee like dead in their tracks. And they they lost their train of thought. And I'm thinking like, I got to get this off the TV because – I want something there. We have this TV, a vendor paid for it. Um, and then after, after like one o'clock, it goes to like, uh, like cold case or, or one of those, like, you know, oh. like some murder mystery thing. And, and we can't figure out like what, what to change it to or what's appropriate for that time. So we just leave it or turn it off. But right. I mean, this sounds like exactly what I'm looking for at the counter here is, um, so digging deep yeah. and being tactical. So, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Tactful wise, I mean, so the way it started out for me, and I'm, you know, I'm trying to find a little picture here to send you about it. Um, the way it started out for me to really up our game was I would basically create a bunch of JPEGs, you know, in a in some sort of program, whether it was Microsoft Publisher or whatever it was. Now we're talking this was 10 years ago. Sure. Um, and I would create a bunch of different slides. I, sometimes I use a you know slide deck, and then I would transfer those over to a USB drive. And then I take that USB drive out and I put it in the side of the TV and then I would loop that, you know, and that thing would play all day long. Um, the good thing about that was, is that, you know, you know I was pu- putting something out there that I wanted my customers to see. Mm-hmm. The bad thing about it was, was that it was playing the same four five, six minutes and they were just slides all day long. Yeah. So then I got a little bit more proactive, I guess, or I thought I, I thought I was, and I created several different USB drives. And then I would ask my warehouse guys to change them throughout the day. Um, and hopefully that got done. Normally it didn't because they were too busy to remember to right. actually change out the USB stick and play something different. Um, so about five years ago, I really started looking into software that I could use to, to manage that for me. Um, and I ran across a bunch of different products, tried a bunch of different products, and about two years ago, um, landed on one that I really liked and have been using. Um, and it lets me lets me upload 
and send stuff to my television um, at any time during the day. And I can do pretty much any type of product or platform I want to the TV. And I can schedule it out about a month in advance. Wow. And I can, I can dial it into almost a, basically a five minute slot. So I can have, you know, something during the day playing exactly when I want to play it for as long as I want to play it and then have something automatically take its place without me having to go out there and change it and do stuff to the TV. How did you, so is it a special TV or is it just one of those TVs? No, it's just a standard TV that takes, as long as you have a, a HDMI port mm-hmm. available and you have Wi-Fi um, at, your, at your office. Um, so it's not a smart a TV. different products out there that will allow you to do this type of streaming to your television. Without the TV itself being connected, you're connecting to this device? Yeah, you're going to connect. Some, some places, um, some software use like an Amazon Fire Stick or a Chromebit. Mm-hmm. Some software companies that I've looked into have their own proprietary device. Um, some people basically, if you have a smart TV, let's say, from I think it's LG or even Samsung, I think they're Android-based. There's a couple manufacturers out there that have applications you can download in an Android-based TV um, operating system directly. So you wouldn't even have to have a device if you didn't want to. Hmm. Um, so there's a lot of different ways to make it happen. Um, I found this way for our office um, to make it happen and keep my time limited doing it, um, using a couple different, you know, playing with a couple different ways. Um, and as Nora, as we talked about before, you know, I like to, you know, I like to learn something, do something, then teach something. So I've learned this, I've done this, now I've taught somebody else to do it so I don't have to. Right. Um, so now this, this, this whole, you know, digital signage technology and the way we manage it, um, basically has, is in somebody else's hands now other than mine. So, um, which is nice because it frees up my time to continue to do other marketing things and, you know, other business things. Cause it can be a time thief. It can definitely, you know, get you sucked in creating all the different content and finding all the different videos on YouTube that you want to put up there and how to support the manufacturers and, um, all those things that can take some time. And, uh, as you know, time is precious. And so, um, you know, I'm in that, I'm in that realm right now. I've handed this off to another person, um, who I actually pay to do it. Um, and they know our process, which is nice. And so now I get that, you know, that gets done for me every month. I get a schedule of what's happening and I, you know, prove it. Um, I send pictures or somebody in my staff will send pictures to the person that's doing it for us for anniversaries or birthdays that we want to promote. Um, and yeah, it just gets done now. So it's a third party that you're paying they're not on payroll. They're not on payroll. It's the third party person I'm paying. And, and, and honestly, believe it or not, it's my wife. Huh. Um, and she's actually started her own business doing this. Wow. Uh, That's amazing. Because she sees, a, she sees a need for it, not only within CDs, but actually small boutique hotels or, you know, other places that have digital or TVs that aren't really doing anything to engage the customer. Sure. Um, there's an opportunity there to, to, you know, use this type of software to manage that and to promote their business better. So, and still entertain yeah. people and keep them occupied and, and engaged. Yeah. Um, so after we, so I've been doing it religiously probably for two years now, where I make sure that the content is fresh, um, the things that are supporting the manufacturers that are coming are correct. Um, you know, we're re- we've really put a lot into this, and the last four or five counter mornings we've had, the the vendors have actually come to me and were very surprised how how well we marketed their counter morning mm-hmm. um and how well they felt supported by having to be like one guy well the guy from klein came in and was like blown away that both of our digital displays were playing his most current content um you know whether it was a content we created on slides or his youtube channel whatever it was and it was rotating and it just happened when he showed up you know he's there at 6 30 in the morning and the tvs are already playing his brand that's cool and he was like, how did you guys even, man- how did this even happen? Because I didn't give you anything, Dan, and our company doesn't have anything like this. So how are you doing this? Yeah. So he was really impressed and, and was like, I, you know, was like, tell me how you did it because I need to, I need to let people know because it's like this, these guys, you guys get a lot of traffic already. It's like, but this is one way that I've never seen anybody else support a manufacturer or vendor. Um, and he loved it. He was just like, this is was like, <laughs> he couldn't believe it. And how many TVs do you have at your counter? 
I don't know. I have I one behind our counter, yeah. and then I have another one um, that is right on the as you exit. It's on one of those TV stands. It's about a forty-two inch one, and that one plays different content. That one plays more of a content as you're leaving or thank you for your business. Hmm. Um, we have special hours. Um, it doesn't play a lot of um, content in regards to manufacturer's content. That usually happens behind the counter. Yeah. But when we have a counter morning, like we are this Wednesday, that TV is right where the, the vendor sets up his product. So that TV is already scheduled to stream that manufacturer's product for the morning from 6, from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. That TV is already pre-populated and will turn exactly what that guy's showing or bringing in that morning to show us. So he'll have a feed right behind his table of all of his product, you know, continually moving. And uh, do you have a particular platform that you care to share with us in, or in terms of like an actual name that people can look up or? Um, the one that I'm using right now um, that my, you know, my wife's business and her business, I'll tell you, it's called ScreenEnvy.net. Um, but we're using a screen cloud right now. Um, and they're easy to find. Um, we're looking at a couple of other different platforms that are more robust, um, just so she can manage more than, you know, five or six televisions at once. Did you say screen cloud? Screen cloud. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's the name of it or that's the name of the type of program. That's the name of the software company. Okay. Um, they're a company that will work off of an Amazon fire stick or Chrome bit. Okay. So you'll go out and buy that separately. Sure. Um, and then you put it into your computer. Or you put it into your, you know, your TV, you, you assign it to your Wi-Fi, um, and then you just, you know, you make sure that one, you know, the HDMI port doesn't change the input, right? So the guys aren't playing with the TV changing the input, um, or it won't play, because <laughs> uh, it won't be on the right input. And two, um, you have to kind of strip down what the Fire Stick can do, or the Chrome bit can do. Um, so you don't give employees or customers access to a bunch of movies and a bunch of other things you may not want them having access to. Right. Yes. So there, I mean, what I learned was very quickly was that with the fire, fire stick is associated with my, my personal, you know, account. Cause you always have to have an Amazon account and you always have to have a credit card on file in order to use the Amazon fire stick. Mm -hmm. Um, so when I have customers or, you know, actually employees, They'd be, you know, on a Saturday or whatever it is, or late in the afternoon was slow. They change the fire stick over to movies, and they go, "Oh, look at you know Ghostbusters. Let's watch Ghostbusters." And the next thing you know, I get a bill for four ninety nine because they were <laughs> Ghostbusters. Oh no! So I've had to over the last year, eh, six months more or less, really figure out a way to keep that from happening. Um, and that's when I really started looking at different technologies in order to be more of a how would you say a dedicated platform versus one that's on a third party device. Yeah. So this other company we're looking at, it's called sign to go. Um, they use a Chrome bit, which is actually a mini computer. Yep. And a Chrome bit you can, you can set up what they call kiosk mode to where the only thing that Chrome bit will do is play the product that's streaming to it, you know, from their software. So you don't have to worry about, people trying to change the channel or get a different feed on it or whatever it is. There's not even actually a remote with Chrome bit. You can't even control a Chrome bit unless you have a wireless lap, um, laptop connected to it. Hmm. So that one I'm looking at right now, I've been playing it for the last month. I really like the software it has. I like the scheduling aspect of it. It's got some neat, neat features that, you know, the other companies have that I haven't, you know, I thought were necessary. Um, and so, and my wife who's been using it, she really likes it a lot too. And has, you know, found some really good shortcuts in it that allows her to really manage the screens for us on a, on a you know, regular basis without getting it too time involved. And you get uh, support from your vendors financially for this, right? I do now. Yes. Okay. Um, so I do use co-op money to help offset um, her fee monthly. Mm -hmm. And the way I do that is basically, let's say, we're a big Lutron house and we're going to, you know, promote Lutron on our screen. And I kind of look at it as, you know, I'm in a position now where I have enough traffic. We've, we've dialed this in. My wife has really dialed this in to a point where it's a no brainer for me. And it's, you know, it's really curated. It looks very clean. It's I think very professional looking. It's not like somebody's you know, scribbled on a piece of paper and put something up on the TV. Right. 
Um, she's got a very good branding eye and a very good, you know, eye at curating product. Um, so basically she sends me an invoice with the slides that she's created, um, for a specific manufacturer. Um, and then, you know, I submit that to the manufacturer as, you know, this is what's going on our digital display. This is how much it was cost to create it. And, you know, I'm going to use my co-op money to pay for it. Um, because they will pay for advertising. Yes. So they pay for flyers. They pay for mailers. They pay for a lot of other things, but they didn't actually have digital signage or social media or even web banners for a lot big part of manufacturers in any of their description for advertising. So I worked with about six or seven of my manufacturers directly to say, hey, you'll cover flyers. Why won't you cover a web banner? Or why won't you cover social media? Or why won't you cover my display, my lobby, if I promote your product? And I'm going to promote it. I can say, hey, you're going to get an, you're going to get an hour every day during prime time, let's say, you know, in front of my customers. And when you come in and do a counter morning, you're going to be supported in the way no no one else can do. Yeah. Uh, and then you know, took me about three months, um, but they all bought in and they got they got it. Once after seeing it, they definitely understood what we were doing and how we were going to use our co-op money. And now I've been able to set that precedence for other CDs, um, at least for the manufacturers that I'm dealing with. That hey, this is something that you can use your co-op dollars for, um, and they actually you know like doing that because it is real advertising to you know directly to a niche market or directly to the consumer they want to get in front of. Yeah, it sounds perfect. It's like like you said, the silent salesperson. It works for them as well. You know, it's it's doing their job when they're not there. Right. Kind of a deal, huh? And I've, you know, I've got really good feedback from almost most of our customers. Um, you know, we put product up there that's new that they've asked for and we said hey you know the gold slide hey you've asked for it. here it is and kind of highlight that product um today my operations supervisors you know it's a 23rd anniversary with a company um so we've got a couple of slides up there of her you know being here for 23 years and i've had several customers walk up the stairs and go to her office and say hey didn't realize you're here for 23 years congratulations you know that we could love having you on board um yeah i saw that on instagram that's that's awesome yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah we tie and that's the other thing that we do I would say really well from a distributor standpoint or within CED. And I, again, I have to pass a lot of the credit on to my wife is that she keeps all of our branding very succinct in regards to our social media, regarding to our web banners that we put out on our customer portal and what we put on our TV display. So you're not getting mixed um, signals. You're getting a very curated brand of who CES Santa Barbara is um, when you look at our, any of those feeds. I like it. And that's what she does for a job. That's what, you know, that's her, that's her business. And that was, that's what she does. Um, again, I tried, you know, utilizing an employee that was already existing here and it just didn't work out. You know, they didn't have the time. They didn't put in the effort that I needed to see them put into it, but they always got sidetracked by something else. Yeah. And it just became, you know, it became not important or it became down the list of things to do towards the bottom. Um, by putting it in her hands, I know it's, that's top priority for her is to get this done for her customers. So, you know, I'm willing to pay for that. And now I have found a way to offset that cost with co-op money. So I'm even in a better position now. Yeah. It sounds like the ideal situation. Uh, so what are we looking at start? Let's say somebody wanted to like not, not jump on the deep end, but just put their foot in the water and see if this is something that applies to their business and, and see some traction. What are we looking at from like a cost expenditure, um, out the door? Um, getting started I, I would say getting started you're probably looking at anywhere between 100 and 120 dollars a month um in a product that you'd have to have a you know regular service fee a monthly service fee because they're all SaaS products they're all services in a system you know our software as a service they're going to charge you a monthly fee to do this because you're using cloud storage so it's just a matter of which one you go with some some manufacturers or some software are as low as 25 to $30 per screen per month. Um, but they don't offer a lot of, you know, making it happen on a time frame that you want to put it out there. Um, it's very much like, here's, here's the platform you stream it, but there's no calendar. There's no way to manage the timing of it very well. Yeah. So the more software, you know, power you need or want, the more, you know, costly it's going to be per month. Um, so again, you know, it just depends on, you know, how much you need from it um, and what you want to do. Um, I think the first thing you need to find out is, you know, is digital signage um, right for your office? 
Um, and I can say, I don't think it's right for every office. If, it, if you're a green tech, let's say, and all your business is either direct or shipped, um, and you see, you know, very few customers every day, um, having digital signage to promote something for your customers is probably not the best place to put your money. Yeah, um, definitely. If but you... if you're trying to promote, you know, internal workings, again, let's say you have an office, you know, and you've got 45 people involved and you have a main screen somewhere in your in your lobby for your for your employees more or less hmm. uh, it's a good way to get them information on a regular basis of what's happening um, what new products have come in what vendors might be coming in that day um, there's a lot of different ways you can use digital signage you know um, to, to your benefit um, but we have found it best for us just to really promote to our customers i mean i think it's a good fit for vero because we do get we are the, the busiest counter in the county. So right. um, I could see vendors buying into this and, and wanting to support it, especially when they're – we do the vendor of the month program. So um, well, that's it's pretty simple. It's 12 vendors, 12 months of the year. Uh, every yeah. vendor chips in for our Friday barbecues, but we could have like, you know, that month dedicated to them, maybe four different rollouts of this. And each week of the month that they're sponsoring – We'd have to up our sponsorship amount from 200 probably to 500 a month for this. But right. um, I, I think they get a lot more bang for their buck than just the one counter day that they may or may not do. And you're only capturing the people that happen to walk in that one four-hour session. Yeah. So, you know, so the barrier to entry is low if you're going to do the work yourself. Um, so if you're going to create the content, if you're going to go out and, you know, find the – pictures that look good and splice them into, you know, some sort of program and get them up in, into the program and then, you know, label all the different things properly and then schedule them all out. You're scaring um, people. Again, I, You're scaring I, people. It sounds like a lot of work. Of yeah. It's a, it's a lot of work. And I mean, some people go, Oh, you know, doing, using the mass matrix is great, but managing my matrices is hard because, you know, it takes a lot of time. And if you don't manage your matrices on a regular basis, yeah, it can take a lot of time to go in there and fix them. But if you're managing them all the time, I'm in there at least once a week, if not twice a week, you know, making sure things are correct. It doesn't take as much time, but it still takes time. So with this type of system, yeah, you can, I, I would say there was a point when I was on the learning curve, probably spending anywhere between four to six hours a week minimum. Wow. Uh, you know, creating content and trying to get it to the TV and figuring things out. I think you just lost half the audience. Yeah. <laughs> four so, to, again, people that would love to have four to six hours a week to do any one particular task. Well, a lot of this was done after hours, obviously, yeah. or on the weekends. I was about to say that. You know, because that's when I usually do these type of things. Um, but again, you know, as we've talked about, I, you know, I've learned it. Now I've done it. And now I've been able to teach this and pass this on to somebody else. So now I have those hours back, um, and it's actually a better product than I was doing originally, um, because the person I've hired, you know, um, one really cares about me, but also two has nothing else really to do except for focus on making sure that content is great. Um, you know, I got a million other things to worry about. They worry about does this content work for Dan, and is it going to be good on the screen, and is it going to benefit him and his suppliers? So couple of things there my first question yeah. would be um i like i like what you said there it's it's a it's a concept that i was just talking to a trainee about it's called start with who not what so or, or not how even like who, don't worry about how you're going to do it first think of somebody you know that you can teach this to down the road once you figured it out so that you right. can you can go on and be a force multiplier to learn new things and teach that those new things to new people um so i think that's really important to start with start with who not necessarily how or what um, and the whole time you're learning something new, especially something like this, like always be thinking like who has the skill sets that would be really good at this. We all have, you know, hopefully we all have younger employees that you could, you're thinking, I don't want to put the youth aspect in there, but you know, we all, millennials tend to be more involved in like social media and, and digital marketing and things like that. Um, they're going to be, yeah. it's going to come more naturally to them on a large enough scale. I don't want to ostracize anybody or get some hate mail, but, um, the other question I had was, is, is so like, obviously your wife is local, but would I need somebody that is local to do this or could it all be done over the internet? Everything can be done remotely. Okay. Um, everything can be done over the internet. So if, if, if you were interested, um, I could, you know, obviously you could easily reach out to her. She could easily manage your screen from across the country. 
Okay. That's a good point. Not a problem. Yeah. Um, you know, the oneness on the, on the location is one is to make sure that, you know, one, she has a, you know, agenda from you that you want to try to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Um, your major manufacturers, obviously employee birthdays, employee anniversaries, um, what your brand is like, you know, you know, so when somebody looks at Vero beach, you know, CD Vero beach, whether it's their, you know, stationary, whether it's their Instagram feed, whatever it is, what's your brand, what's your culture you're trying to put across. Um, and that's and that, hard to get, not, as you know, that's not always about what you're selling. It's about, you know, you're a beach, you're kind of beach theme like us, Santa Barbara. If you look at our Instagram feed or our social media stuff, yeah, there's a lot of beach. There's a lot of, you know, Santa Barbara architecture. There's a lot of fun stuff happening. Um, and we rarely, I'm not rarely, but I would say only about 30% of what we put out there on Instagram has anything to do with product. It's more about who we are as a business than it is about what product we're selling directly. Yeah. Yeah, because people buy from people, right? So but Yeah, people want to learn who we are. They want to get to know us. They want to feel comfortable when they walk through the door. It's like, oh, you know, I saw these guys on Instagram. I really liked, you know, certain people or certain aspects. Their, their lobby looked really clean or whatever it may be. Um, so, you know, we like to do that first. We like to then let them get to know us and then we can start to let them know how we can provide service to them. Hmm. Um, yeah, we never put pricing out on any of our stuff. Um, even on the TV promotion stuff that we do here, we never put pricing out. Um, it's just a personal preference of mine. I know other people do it and if it works for them, great. But for me, putting a price out there, um, is I want people to engage with us first. I don't want them to make a decision on whether they're going to buy from us or not based on a price I put out there. Yeah, we've gone back and forth. And I think certain things that make sense, like things that you're not, you're going to sell at the same price to everybody. Um, right. I, you know, we, we've even talked about doing like certain sections of the Klein wall, having like a five, a 10, a $20 section. Uh, just, you know, the whole, anything in this color scheme basically is going to be $5 or $10 or whatever it is. Um, and we've, yeah, we've, idea. We price gunned our um, Milwaukee stuff, but then you just see people over there on their phones at HomeDepot.com looking up, and, and I'm like, "Hey, where do you think we got our pricing from, man? Like, like we're not, right. we got, we're, we're trying to be competitive with the Amazons and the Home Depots, and we're looking at all that as well. But um, that's not what you want. You don't want people staring at their phones trying to find it for a dollar cheaper or ten dollars cheaper when you're, when right. you're looking at the product on the floor right there, and they have a need for it. You want them reaching out and engaging people. Exactly." Yeah, and I think people like I, – I sell the business model. I sell the, the whole profit sharing thing. Like people like to know that their money is going to somebody that they know and can shake their hand. And, and they know that we're a big company and not all the money goes to, to Josh at the counter or whatever it is. But there's, right. there's something about like they know that when they're spending their dollar, it's it's going to like a cause that they, they would put – they would stand behind, not just some conglomerate or corporation. I think there's something to that. Yeah, and I think, you know – we, you know, one of the things that we do from a marketing standpoint that I, I can't I can't believe how well it's paid off was um, I think we probably put about twelve hundred dollars a year into this is we we buy banners at the local high schools, you know, either at the baseball field or football field. Hmm. And we you know, they, they're up there all year long. And I think it's like three hundred bucks a month for each for each high school. Um, I mean, three hundred bucks a year for each high school. But the amount of people I get that come in and talk to me, and go, oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, by the way, thanks for supporting my kid. He plays football, you know, up at San Marcos, and we saw your banner up there. Really appreciate you doing that. Wow. Um, so for very little money, I mean, for literally 300 bucks a year, you know, sometimes it's 600 depending if you have to get a new banner made or not. But it's a real good way to engage the community. Um, I just don't think we do that enough. You know, I don't think we become part of the community, um, you know, especially at that high school or, you know, kids' sport level. And I've got a lot of friends who are contractors and yeah. have kids. So it's like, you know, instead of me taking them golfing, it's like, yeah, you know, I supported your high school's, you know, sports program. It was only 600 bucks for the year, but still it goes a long way, I think. Yeah. I can't tell you how many uh, yearbooks I've sponsored or, you know, <laughs> cookies I bought or the chocolate bars and stuff like that. I just buy them all and put it at the counter and just say free, you know, like just like whatever. And some contractor's going to hear this and hit me up tomorrow i'm sure exactly but uh Girl Scout cookies. yeah exactly i mean i, I you're in a small look how big is, is your is your market like population wise um santa barbara proper is about ninety thousand. So okay santa barbara with galita carpinteria we're probably about 150 to 160 thousand dollars 160 thousand people population wise 
Okay, so when you when you look up Vero Beach's population, and we're more than just Vero Beach, we're like, you know, North Fort Pierce, South, you know, all the way up to Palm Bay. But um, I think my whole county is like sixty five thousand people. So yeah, Vero Beach itself is like fourteen thousand based on the last census. Um, right, and it's growing and it's seasonal and all that stuff. But like, what I like about it is when I go out, if I, there's an event downtown or something like that, like I have to. I know I'm going to run into somebody, you know, like I am a right. member of the community and I, I know that when I go out somewhere, it's going to be, you know, it, it's not like I would go and, and just get drunk or anything like that anyways, but I know like I have someone, someone's here is just seeing me and they know who I am, you know? So there's that right. in the back of your mind, but um, I think it's, yeah. really, it's really important. And Emily does a good job of this down in Key West and, and other managers do as well, but like they're members of the community not just the construction community, but the overall family community that that's the bigger picture. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, coming back to you know what we try to do locally, um, you know, besides you know, it's like being part of the community is huge for us. I mean, we're part of the Chamber of Commerce, um, and in fact, in two weeks we're doing a, uh, a ribbon cutting at our Galita office with the Galita Chamber of Commerce. Nice and a little open house, um, but it's just getting the community out there. And you know, I have to send you some uh, pictures of what we did in our Galita office. I'd love to see it's, that. It's very different than our Santa Barbara office. Um, and it was a very, it was a big, it was a pretty big learning experience for me on how that, even though it's only 12 miles away, it really has a different culture in Goleta than we do in Santa Barbara. Um, and they have different priorities and different needs, even though they're 12 miles away. <laughs> well, so that's a very, from what I understand, it's a very untraditional profit center. Like you guys are in like a, I actually looked it up because I, I, we have a, we have a trainee that was thinking about doing something similar, like a, kind of like a niche PC of like, you know, home automation and smart home mm-hmm. and all that. So you don't even need like a whole, you know, 10,000 square foot warehouse to do that. You can, you can support a lot of that coming out of your profit center today. Right. And I think that's something, you know, again, for another podcast, we can really dig into the home automation and we do have a yeah. um, actual showroom. I would say it's, it, it's a build out of a vignette of a small home. So we have a living room, a dining room, a kitchenette, um, and we have 12 layers of lighting. Uh, we're integrated with all the Sonos product, all the Nest product. Um, everything's voice activated from all three platforms, whether it's Alexa, Google, or Siri. We can show you how to do all three. Wow. Um, and you can literally sit down on the couch and you know sit in front of a 60-inch TV and experience what simple but very you know good home automation or good you know, content happening within your house can happen. And we just take away the veil. We take away the smoke screen that is put up and we make it affordable for people. And we show them, Hey, here you go. That's awesome. Uh, like we're the only electrical distributor in the country. That's actually a Sonos distributor. Wow. Uh, and I, again, part of what I do is we're in the market of home automation. You know, we are selling the Nest products. Um, it was a natural thing to look at how can we tie this all together you know, and how we, can we make it work with Sonos? Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously there's platforms out there that let you do that. So we started digging into our efforts here and make this happen and show the customer how to use it. Why don't we see if we can't even sell it? Um, now, there's not a lot of margin in the Sonos stuff, um, you know, but what it does do, it gives us a big door opening into that customer, the end user, because that's a name brand they know. Yeah, um, and, you, and you make I mean, money if, elsewhere. If you don't know what a Sonos speaker is, <laughs> then you've been hiding under a rock lately. So everybody sells a Sonos speaker. You can go to Best Buy, you can go to Amazon, you can go Sonos directly. Yeah. But what they can't do is they can't show you how to make that Sonos speaker an actual experience by tying it into every other thing that's in your house. Mm-hmm. Um, we can show you how to do that. And we can show you how simple it is to do that. So, you know, we, we, we promote that office, you know, a lot. I'm out there a lot. I, you know, I show people that space. I let them sit there um, and have fun. Um, <laughs> And then when they walk out, they usually walk out buying several different pieces of product that they can build on. Well, it's it's great value add for your customer too, because now your customer who probably doesn't know that much about this and and is getting asked for it all the time, looks really good when the homeowner's like, "Hey, what do I do?" And they're like, "Don't worry, got you covered." Yeah. Just make an yeah, appointment you know, with these guys. That's kind of what we promote it with too, is that we built that for our contractor base. Yeah. So they can bring their customer down and show their customer directly. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know. I've talked about it. You're kind of hesitant, but I see you have a smart thermostat on the wall. Why don't you come on down to this space and you can see what you can really do? Yeah. Yeah. We have, um, I don't know if you have one out there. We have the Lutron Experience Center in Plantation, which is about two hours away. 
and you you can book an appointment and go there and see like it's the same thing it's like right. a, a multi different you know different houses basically and a theater and yep you can see their shade product and all all the different features of that but it's kind of that same idea but locally right you know? we i mean we have one down it's about two and a half hours from us now in irving um or irvine la area um and it's a trek it's a trek to get there yeah it's a pain um, it's a and day. It, you know what I, I i love homeworks we saw a lot of homeworks we saw a lot of lutron but that's not an entry-level product nope um you know if you got a you know let's just say for instance in santa barbara or galita um you know average home price is about eight hundred thousand to a million dollars yeah exactly <laughs> Um, so somebody just bought a house for $800,000, they're probably going to do a small remodel anywhere between a hundred to $150,000 worth of a remodel. Wow. Um, you know, they're not in the market for, you know, a $50,000 lighting system. Right. Um, you know, now if they're buying a 5 million or $50 million home in Montecito, they might be in that market. But for a person in Goleta, like where I live, that's just out of your budget, but a 2,500 to $3,000 lighting system that actually integrates with a lot of stuff and gives you, you know, the same sense of home automation that a homework system can. Yeah. They can, they can get into that. Um, they can make that part of their budget of the remodel. And that's kind of what we shot for in that space was to, you know, get there. Um, let those people know that, Hey, we're doing a $60,000 remodel of your home, you know, for just a little bit more, we can take you from standard dimming to actual home automation and integrated systems um, and show you how it all works. I love it. Yeah, yeah, I think we could yeah. do a whole other episode on just on just that kind of stuff because it is becoming more and more prevalent, and I think a lot of us are struggling to get a handle on how to, you know, stay ahead of the big box stores and and make some sort of experience center, whether it's in a conference room or whatever. Yeah. Right. Um, I can I can I at least once a week I'm doing a class out there for either contractors or, um, you know, the public in general, um, which is you know so it's about an hour and a half that I take them through the basics of you know, home automation, um, what it means and what a, what a connected home means and what a smart home means. Cause there are three different, three different levels there that we're talking about. So it would definitely be a good for another podcast. Yeah. I mean that, that places but, you as the expert in that market too. So when they need to go do it, they're not just going to get a quote from you and then go buy it from somewhere else. They need the guy that can tie this all together and can come out there and troubleshoot it and make sure that they got all right. the pieces and parts. So I think that's, that's brilliant. Yeah. It's brilliant. And we have it's holding, it's hand holding your contractors hand a little bit. I've, um, I've sold a ton of product just having it at my house and showing people on my phone of like, you know, right. here's the program. And then I can switch over to my canary and see the actual house and turn a fan and a light on and switch back over right. to the canary. And they can see that it just happened while they were standing in like two seconds. And they're like, wow, that is really cool. Do you yeah. sell, but they're like, do you sell the canaries? And I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> you know? um, but I sell everything that goes with the canary. <laughs> right, right. I could, you know, yeah. so we got, we got a lot more to talk about for sure. Yeah. But, you know, and, you know, a lot of that, you know, we, we put up on our digital displays here. We run those, we run that room, whether it's live through the desk camera we have, we can do that. Or whether it's just, you know, curated slides that my wife has made, we run those through our digital displays and on our social media to get people to know about it more and interested in it. And, you know, it's like they say, you got to tell somebody seven to 10 times before they actually understand what you just said. Um, and I can't tell you how many times I've asked a con- tell the contractor about our location in Galita. And by the 10th time, they go, hey, I heard you have something in Galita I should come check out. Yeah. Yes, we do. <laughs> yep. There's a reason they say the magic number for sales calls is between 7 and 12 because it, yeah. they weren't listening the first six times. <laughs> exactly. So between us telling them and between our social medias telling them about what we're doing yeah. and the last, you know, line of defense is our digital displays here at the office, it's like we're, we're getting them from every angle possible. In, in different ways, but we're engaging that customer basically every time they come in, um, in a way that's not, not sneaky by any means. It's obviously in their face because it's a TV, but we're doing it in a very nice way that's pleasing and it's not over your head with a big hammer saying, Hey, you know, buy this. Yeah. I think it, it's all about being tactful and respectful and, and keeping it yeah. mixed up for the, for everybody. But yeah, that's great. Yeah. Man, I appreciate it, sir. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. So if you guys, if anybody's interested or you're interested, just you can reach out to me directly or I, Mike, I can send you the links of, you know, my wife's webpage where they can get more information. Obviously, you know, she does come at a cost, but I think when you offset that with co-op money, sometimes it just works. Well, what's the cost of not doing it? <laughs> you know, uh, 
Yeah, exactly. Um, you, you don't know what your lost cost is if you don't do something. That's true. It's like all so, the orders that we nev never get put into CED net because we don't have something or we didn't have enough of it. You know, you don't, you don't, there's no way to track that. So, exactly. um, so. definitely send me that link and I'll put it in the show notes. And, uh, perfect. Yeah, appreciate it, Dan. Thanks a lot. Thanks for coming on the podcast. We're going we're to try again next month. Yeah, let's do it. Set it up for next month. Enjoy your July then. You guys have big sales out there. Yes, sir. You too. <laughs> Take care. All right, Mike. Thanks. Thanks, Dan. Bye.